talking about the age-old question and the burning question on the mind of every entrepreneur, entrepreneur, musicpreneur, artpreneur, teacherpreneur, mompreneur, <laughs> anything that has someone putting their neck out there uh, and, and just saying, here I am, this is what I offer, and you need to buy from me. That's, that's what I'm talking about here. Now, people listening to this are likely musicians, trumpet players, uh, maybe some others that listen to me because they're intrigued by Sana and they want to know who's this doofus that is on the call with her every now and then. So if that's you, welcome. And yes, I am a doofus. I have, that's, that's as best as I can get. I don't get any better than you hear on those calls on the Bavoshtan podcast. So I am who I am. What can I say? But I want to talk a little bit about how to make what we're offering more attractive to our clients, contractors that do hiring, uh, like church, music directors, etc. Now, I have had many conversations with people, clients of our podcasting uh, production business, saying, what are you doing to attract engagement? What do you, what do, you do so that you can get engagement with your people? Because that's like the heart and soul of any business is engagement. I mean, you can have the greatest message in the world. It can be funny and entertaining and, and, and just heart-stopping, and it's great. But if you don't have any engagement with people who are consuming it, you know, it's, it's not really doing anyone any good. So if your focus is on only on being entertaining or, or, or only on putting out uh, a message that's captivating and soul-stirring, and you're, you're not putting any effort on being engaging, then uh, I'm not going to say you're wasting your time. It's not like it's not like you're spinning your wheels. You're, you are doing something productive. You are bettering yourself in, in ways, artistically or whatnot. But <clears throat> you're not, are you really getting the best bang for your buck with what you're doing? And meaning, if people are not engaged with you, if people are not interacting with you, then uh, is it really a good use of your time? And by engagement, I don't necessarily mean like direct one-on-one -on -one engagement with you personally. Uh, people think of, of a Facebook group or a social media group or so something like, and, and we get a bit of a dopamine high if we have s so many followers on Facebook. And, uh, and then we have like, we can look at this and say, we've have a thousand followers, whatever. And that's all well and good, but, but people follow hundreds of, of media personalities on Facebook. And if they're not really engaged with you, then who cares? So Facebook, for example, has ways of measuring engagement, such as uh, likes, comments, and those are all great. Those, those are helpful, but they're not the only measure of, of an engagement with people who consume your content. When I go down the road, if I'm driving from, say, Virginia Beach, where I live at the moment, to let's just say Washington, D.C., because I've made that trip a couple of times, and I am notorious. I am in my mid-40s, and I've had um, issues with UTIs in the past few years. And so, you know, I, I can't hold it like I could when I was 30 years old. It used to be that I could go hours and hours and hours before I had to go to the bathroom. Now it's it's not like that. It's more frequent. And the my medical issues come and go. They're they're fine. They're some you have good days and you have bad days, but all in all the big picture is that I need to go to the bathroom more frequently than I did say 10, 15 years ago. Now when I am driving down I sixty four from Virginia Beach to Richmond, or if I'm going up I ninety five from Richmond to Washington DC, um, 
and I have to go to the bathroom, there is one thing that I'm looking for on the side of the road, the rest stop. All I want is to get off the road, relieve myself, and then get back on the road. I don't want to eat. I don't want to get a cup of coffee. I don't want to uh, do anything. I want to get to my destination as fast as possible, and I want minimum distractions. So the rest stops give just that. You get off, you walk into the building, you use the bathroom, and then maybe get a cup of coffee if you want to. There's a vending machine right there usually, but you're, you're not... You don't have a half hour to an hour stop waiting in line at the Cracker Barrel, for example, and then getting, you know, seated and takes forever for them to bring your menus. And you don't want that. I I just want to get to where I'm going. But I have this problem that I have to relieve myself. Otherwise, (laughs) it's going to be messy. So when I'm driving down the road, the only thing that is on my mind is I have to take care of this issue. And I'm not looking for a sign for the Cracker Barrel because I'm not hungry. Or I'm not, I don't want to eat right now. Maybe I'm going to wait till I get to my destination to eat. All I care about is the rest stop sign. And maybe I've seen the sign for it, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes ago where it says there's going to be one in 20 miles. And so all I'm looking for is that sign that says rest stop in five miles. Like, oh, good. So because at this point I'm suffering. I am in pain, not, not pain, but you know how it is. It's discomfort when you have to go and you can't go. And uh, and then a mile later, you you see the sign that says rest stop four miles, three miles, one mile. You get off uh, and 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 then you you take care of business and all is well. So what I'm getting at is that if you don't have engagement with uh, people who are consuming your content, you may as well be the sign for the strawberry farm that's posted on on the side of the road and it says 20 miles and there's nothing wrong with the strawberry farm it's great but you're not meeting the immediate need of the of your people who are listening they're just passing by they may be listening to your thing like i'm speaking about a podcast they may be listening to uh my show because well they they like me they like sauna and uh well okay i'll give it a i'll give this a listen and they do it just because they want to pass the time a little bit. But is it really solving a problem? Is it really solving an urgent need that the listener has? And if the answer is no, well, I'm going to say that you can do it better. You want to be, as a content producer, you want to be like that sign, that uh, the rest stop sign, it's coming up in five miles, where you are good news. You are the answer to uh, the, this burning need inside, which means, which is that I have to relieve myself as soon as possible. Uh, too many content producers are the signs for the Cracker Barrel in eight miles. And that's, and that's fine. And I'm not, and if you want to eat, and if you want to eat at the Cracker Barrel, then that, it solves that issue. What I'm saying is that you want to be that sign or, or that, uh, you have that message that is solving that need for your listeners. So focus on that. I mean, it's, it's great to be funny and it's great to be uh, captivating, but focus on what need your audience has. Now, I'm going to share this, and I'm going to put a disclaimer here and say that I mean no disrespect at all to uh, the person that posted this thing on Facebook. It's in reference to a Facebook post, and I, I am sharing this for illustrative purposes only. I don't know the... I, don't know personally the person who posted it. It's just one of those casual quote friends on Facebook. And but this person posted that he was uh, he performed with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra uh, for a week, which of course is fantastic. If you put yourself in a position where you're uh, on call and 
uh, organization with the prestige of uh, of the Chicago Symphony calls you to play sixth trumpet on something, hey, that's great. That's that's wonderful. And I don't say what I'm saying so that I can discount that or minimize the achievement. That's it's a wonderful achievement. Uh, it's not likely something that I'll ever achieve. So I'm just going to say that. I, it's, it's really not on my wheelhouse. It's not on my bucket list to play with the CSO. So that being said, uh, I, want to, I want you to ask yourself, what need does this person have who was uh, played sixth trumpet on a Mahler symphony with the Chicago Symphony? I mean, how important is this person to the success of the Chicago Symphony? If he doesn't do it, there's a hundred other well-qualified trumpet players who can do the job for uh, in his place. <clears throat> um, if if for some reason the orchestra doesn't have a budget to hire a sixth trumpet player, and they just say, "Well, this is what we have, and we just we just can't afford it," is it really is it going to ruin the performance of a Mahler symphony to not have the sixth trumpet part? Uh, well, I, I suppose if you want to give 100% homage to the composer and say it's going to detract from this person's intent with what he composed and put out into the world, and you can, you can take that argument. But the fact of the matter is that it, the sixth trumpet part, the, the show can go on if you don't have it. So what I'm saying is that <clears throat> this person, in, again, not to make light of the accomplishment and, and the wonderful experience that I'm sure it was to play with such a great ensemble. It's not the end of the world if the ensemble doesn't have the sixth trumpet part. Uh, now, if the principal trumpet player of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra was, un- was uh, encumbered with something or had something that prevented him from or her from doing his duties or her duties totally sexist here forgive me uh you know that would be a sign that well the chicago symphony itself is in trouble if they can't pay their principal trumpet player or they if they have issues that mean that uh the the principal trumpet is you know if his job is in jeopardy well what impact would that make that means that the Chicago Symphony itself is in dire financial straits. It means that they've made all the cuts that they have been able to make thus far, and now they're at the point where they have to um, reduce the hours of the principal trumpet player, or maybe the concertmaster, or the conductor, whatever the case may be. This is far more serious than the sixth trumpet player, who's called in maybe once a year to, to do a gig. What I'm getting at is that the impact... Of these certain players, the principal trumpet, the concertmaster, the principal uh, whatever, this this impact means that the orchestra is going is, is ha- has financial troubles, and they might be facing dissolution in the near future. What impact would that make? I mean, the Chicago Symphony. I would put it right up there with the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago White Sox, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, all these you know these major major institutions uh, that you know that big jelly bean at on Michigan Avenue, all these major institutions that represent the city of, city of Chicago to the world, I would put the CSO right up with them. And if the CSO is having problems, that's going to have a major impact. So again, not to minimize the, the individual's achievement, which is wonderful. And, and if I had the opportunity, I would shake his hand and say, congratulations, that was well-deserved. And uh, I envy you. Wonder, It's a wonderful experience, I'm sure. My point is that uh, we want to put ourselves in a position where, where we are making an impact, where we are a difference maker. Like, if we are unable to do what we do, it means that people are going to be affected by it negatively. And I don't mean this in a pejorative sense. What I mean is that we want to be basically the answer to people's prayers. We want to be that rest stop 
on the side of the road for that traveler like myself who has to go. Just I have to take care of this, and this sign is letting me know that the answer to my issue is imminent. So put yourself in that position. Think about when you're pressing record on on your thing or pressing publish on your album or your podcast or whatever, what prayer are you being are, are you answering right now? Seriously. Like what dire need do people have for what you're putting out? And if you can't answer that question, I'm not going to say don't put anything out, but put more thought into it. Who is your market? Who is consuming your content? Who is uh, who who stands to benefit from this? If it's just a cute little conversation with a couple of people uh, having a, you know, a chat about this and that and it's all friendly, it's all you know, nicety nice. Hey, that's the, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not really doing anyone any good at the end of the day. So this requires being a little bit edgy, controversial. It requires us as content creators to step out of our comfort zone at times and say, man, I, I, I don't know if I should say that. You know what I have found? I have found if I, when I find myself saying, I don't, I don't know if I can do this or if I can get away with this, that is the sign that I need to say that. <laughs> Honestly, it's it, it's really interesting how we're wired as human beings to, we don't want to stir the pot. We don't want to create conflict. Most of us. Some people are wired the exact opposite. They, they live to create conflict, but we're not talking about that. Uh, you know, we are basically wired. We just want to get along with people. We don't want to stir the pot. Sometimes, uh, uh, let me back up a little bit. And so, when we, uh, when we have this natural inclination to just want to get along, and we feel like saying something that, you know, something that's on the tip of our tongue, but we hold back because we're afraid that, you know, somebody's going to get offended or, you know, we're going to break some sort of unwritten rule of society. And, and maybe you will. It, it's possible that you will. Uh, but when we, when we make decisions on what we uh, put out for, the, for our audience and we allow ourselves to be guided by those fears, well, you're, I think you're going to compromise your message. And I think that you're going to sell yourself and your listeners and the people who consume your content short because they're not getting the real you. And I have found that when I find myself saying to myself, I don't know if I should put that out. I don't know if I should say that. That's unless it's it's something that is overtly offensive or overtly intended to uh, harm someone's character. Obviously, you don't say that for moral and legal reasons. Uh, but if it's just you stay, saying your mind and you something that you really believe, it needs to be said. And that is that is like the litmus test for me. If I find myself saying, I don't know if I should say this because I'm going to get somebody upset, that means you should be, that means I should say it. <clears throat> so a lot of what we do as content creators is overcoming that fear that we all have of stirring the pot, of getting people upset. We just, we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. That comes into those tribal instincts that we all have. And, uh, we're able to overcome to varying degrees based on uh, our our temperament and our experiences, etc. But there, are, there, there are many times as content creators we just have to overcome that and say this is this this is just my fear of not fitting in with the crowd that is uh, inhibiting me from saying this. So keep that in mind when you, the next time you're uh, debating whether or not you should say something, you should probably say it. Again, unless it there's going to be moral or legal implications uh, that, you know, if it's obviously morally wrong to, to, to say something, you don't say it. But if it's just a difference of opinion, 
that's going to get somebody upset. Well, I think you need to say it. And, and I'm not, this is not like legal advice. This is not uh, professional advice to, to give moral permission to say something that is objectionable. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, what I'm saying is that uh, when you step out of that comfort zone and you say that thing that feels uncomfortable, then you become that sign on the side of the road that says the answer or the solution to your problem is imminent. I am the one that will lead you to this outcome that you desire. Follow me. I have taken the lead by saying this thing that is um, objectionable to polite society. I have taken the lead by saying and doing what I believe to be true and what I believe to be right. And I was willing to risk my reputation in order to say it. That's leadership. And people will follow that. They're not going to follow followers. You know, people want to follow leaders, not followers. So I'm going to end it on that. This is the gone nuclear uh, walk and talk rant. I'm actually calling this a kettle walk because I found that going for a nice long walk with a 10 pound kettlebell just enhances the workout. I don't do any swings or anything. Well, maybe a little bit, but I'm not swinging kettlebells or anything like that. I just hold it. And it's interesting how you get a full body workout just holding a 10 pound kettlebell while you walk along the along the trees and the birds and, and whatnot. So uh, you've heard a little bit of wind in this recording. That's why I'm walking and I'm getting my exercise for the morning. Well, I'll be in your earball soon. I am recording this for the Bavoshdan podcast, and I'm also going to put this on the Trumpet Dynamics and Musicpreneur.com podcast feeds because I think it's applicable to all of the above. Thank you for listening, and Sana and I will be in your earballs soon. (laughs) 